0: Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Welcome to 2024. This is the first solo episode of the year. And for this year, or at least for the next few months, we're going to see how this works out. We're taking a new approach to my solo episodes at the suggestion and behest of, well, I'm going to say it's Chelsea's suggestion, but it's also mine. I'm inviting Chelsea Morrow to my podcast. She is my podcast producer. So let's start by saying welcome to the show, Chelsea. It's great to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a series of of episodes, which are not solo. They're actually a conversation or an interview between Chelsea and I. I'm kind of on the other side of the mic, and Chelsea's going to ask me some questions on a variety of topics, and we're going to also invite you guys, once you've listened to a well. Anytime you listen to an episode, if there's something you want us to lean into or dig into, or you have questions, whether it's about something we're talking about or something else, then leave it in the comments because we're going to be planning out a whole year of these. And at the end of the day, we're here for you. So let's get started. So today's episode, because it's 2024, we resisted the temptation of talking about resolutions. And instead, what we're going to talk about is... What are we talking about, Chelsea? What did we end up deciding? We had this big conversation.
1: (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about how to actually eat more nutrient dense. So instead of just saying, let's eat more nutrient dense, we're going to look at what that actually looks like, what to avoid and what to do instead. So you don't just have a list of things to avoid. You have a thing, things to include.
0: A hundred percent. And also with the, you know, we started off our conversation before this episode talking about, well, how are we going to help people to improve their gut health? And so, which is what led us down this path of eating a more nutrient dense diet. And when, as we're talking about eating a more nutrient dense diet, it's like, okay, well, Just telling people to eat a more nutrient-dense diet is not super helpful. So why don't we start on this journey and talk about what are five things we should probably cut out and five things we can include instead. And then there's going to be a couple of pro tips at the end. So let's just launch and uh, see where we go.
1: Yeah. So the first thing that you added to your list for things that we should avoid in 2024 is processed oils. So can you talk to us about that? A hundred percent.
0: So a lot of you guys have seen or heard people talking about good fats and bad fats, right? So it's at the end of the day, what we know is that processed seed and vegetable oils tend to be less healthy for our body. The other thing is if we're going to, once we start eliminating things like seed oils and vegetable oils, so now I'm talking about canola oil, vegetable oil, corn oil,
1: Soybean, safflower. Soybean,
0: safflower, exactly. Once we start eliminating these these oils from our diet, we automatically start pulling out processed foods because that's really where we find them. So, most of the time, if you're eating food that's out of a box or a bag or one of these prepared dressings, once you start reading the ingredients, that's where you're going to start to see these ingredients pop up. So, this is your invitation to read the ingredients. Once you start to see something that is not extra virgin olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil, obviously, you know, with the animal fats, you're not going to find them so much in liquid form, but you'll find things like animal fats is going to be butter, ghee, tallow, duck fat. What am I missing, Chelsea? I think those are the main ones. probably. Once you're not seeing those and you're seeing things like what we just listed earlier, that's your invitation to kind of step away. If you're one of these people that doesn't like to make their own salad dressings, I'm going to tell you that I personally love making my own salad dressings. It's the whole point of eating a salad as far as I'm concerned is that I get to eat dressing. But if you're one of these people that really struggles with making your own for whatever reason, then you know, I'm going to plug a brand here because I know it and I love it. It's called Primal Kitchen. They use avocado oil in their dressings. They don't add sugar they don't add a lot of nasty stuff. You can recognize all the ingredients in the label. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm personally obsessed with their salad dressing. I love their Greek. Their <laughs> Greek too. dressing is I could eat that all day every day. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I love a lot of their yeah. dressings actually. So, mm-hmm. if I if I'm going to get a, a store-bought dressing, it's going to be theirs. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. But I think it's pretty shocking like when you go to Whole Foods you think that Everything is healthy there. And once you start looking at the ingredients, 95% of the things found out in whole foods have processed oils in it. But maybe something that you can dive into is why the processed oils are something we want to avoid. What is it doing to our health and and why should we eliminate it?
0: Yeah. So I think what ends up happening is for starters, you know, think about your body as MacGyver. MacGyver. That was an old TV show. MacGyver was this guy, you know, he could be in a nuclear reactor while it was melting down. If you gave him a piece of chewing gum and a paperclip, he would fix the nuclear reactor. And think of your body as a MacGyver. MacGyver would take whatever was on hand and use it. It might be imperfect and it might not hold long-term, but it would kind of do the trick. Your body is the same when it comes to fats. And so You need fat for your brain. You need fat for your cell membranes. You need fat for like really critical processes in the body. But what fat your body has access to is going to really determine the function and the health of your system. So if you provide your body with these seed oils and vegetable oils that fundamentally don't suit what you really need, you're going to be stuck with cell membranes that are maybe a bit stiff. So they're not going to be able to function properly. So they won't be, and you know, the cell membrane, a lot of people would say is the brain of the cell. It determines what comes in and what goes out. And once that cell membrane starts to get thick, I mean, stiff, it can't function well anymore. So at a very foundational level, providing improper fats to your body is going to, is going to make it hard for your your cell membranes to be functional. Also your brain- Is Mm -hmm. mostly fat.
1: And what about the omega-6s in inflammation?
0: A hundred percent.
1: So, you know,
0: one thing I want to clarify on omega-6 is you need omega-6 to be healthy, right? You need omega-6 to live. And omega-6 gets demonized all the time. But that's really because in the North American diet, or let's say in Western diets in general, Mm -hmm. we're way overweighted on the omega-6 and underweighted on omega-3.
1: And mm-hmm. so I think you you had an episode with Omega Quant where they said yeah. that Americans have a 40 to 1 ratio rather than a 4 to 1 or 1 to 1.
0: Yeah. 100%. And as a matter of fact in Japan they once did a study and I don't know if this is true anymore like you know this is what's interesting is as the world gets smaller different countries adopt other Mm -hmm. countries' ways of eating. But in a traditional Japanese diet, they would find that that omega-6 to omega-3 ratio was closer to two to one, omega-6 to omega-3. And at that time, they had lower rates of depression than almost any other country. Mm -hmm. So we have to remember that, first of all, different types of omega six definitely anything that's deep fried is going to be a damaged fat. So never mind that it's Mm -hmm. not a good fat, it's going to be damaged. So Mm -hmm. that's going to drive inflammation right out of the gate. So definitely the type of omega-6, like omega-6 that you're going to get from raw nuts is not going to be as Mm -hmm. bad as omega-6 you're going to get from deep fried French fries, for example. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, we need to up our intake of omega 3 while we reduce our intake of omega 6. And because omega 6 is so prevalent in so many different foods, mm-hmm. the that you start to take those processed foods out, you start to correct that balance again. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that for me personally, once I eliminated the processed oils, I saw a huge decrease in inflammation. Um, that was really the main driving factor. Okay. So great. Do you want to sum that up with what we want to then focus on? Okay. So we want to focus on
0: healthy fats and get rid of the unhealthy fats. So to focus on the healthy fats, let's make sure that we prioritize things like avocados, olives, avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, egg yolks that are not cooked, meaning sunny side up, you're going to get better nutrition out of an egg mm-hmm. yolk that's, that's runny than out of a cooked egg yolk. You're going to get better nutrition from fat from cold water, fatty fish, um, grass-fed beef. What oh, what am I missing here, Chelsea? I think those are the main... Oh, coconut oil. Now, on the saturated fat, like not to go down too deep into another wormhole... But when it comes to saturated fat, and these are the fats that are solid at room temperature. So these are things like coconut fat and um, your animal fats, like ghee, butter, that kind of stuff. Some saturated fat is going to be great. It depends. I'm I'm not going to get into the details now. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on this one day. (laughs) But overdoing saturated fat, if you haven't addressed the rest of your diet, definitely can be an issue. And there's some genetic predispositions that might make saturated fat less good for you than the next person. So if in the absence of real clarity here, let's be modest on the saturated fat intake mm-hmm. and let's keep it to that those healthier like Mediterranean mm-hmm. diet type fats because that yeah. Mediterranean diet just keeps coming up over and over again as a really good choice. I My mm-hmm. caveat there is Be careful on how people define the Mediterranean diet because sometimes (laughs) it includes a whole lot of grains and starches and stuff. And (laughs) that's when it starts to go off the rails. But again,
1: I digress. (laughs) Yes. Okay, great. So let's move on to number two, which is we need to avoid added sugars. So talk to us about that.
0: Yeah. So the sugar monster we all know is... It's a defining feature of, again, Western diets where we've really lost the plot here. And I'm I'm going to come out and say sugar is not necessarily the devil's – it wasn't born the devil's food, right? Mm-hmm. Sugar, the sweet taste, ancestrally defined to us foods that were not toxic necessarily, right? The problem Mm -hmm. is that we love sweet and we crave sweet. And the more sweet we get, the more sweet we want. And we've moved into a world where everything is sweetened, right? I've, I talked to so many people who can't stand anything that has any bitterness to it. Like they won't eat arugula because it's bitter. They don't like Mm -hmm. grapefruit because they say it's bitter. They don't like sour. They really, they keep going for the sweet, the sweet, the sweet. And it's gotten us into a ton of trouble because as a result, All these packaged goods companies just sweeten everything because they know that sweet is going to get us to eat more of it. And that sweet Mm -hmm. taste flips a switch in our brain and says, eat, eat more.
1: Mm -hmm. And as a result, even like pasta sauce, salad dressings, like things that you don't even think would have sugar in it, they're putting sugar in it. A
0: hundred percent like sugar. And, you know, a chef will say to you, well, you know, we use a little bit of sugar in dressing to balance the dressing, but there's there's a difference between putting in half a teaspoon or a tiny bit of raw honey or maple syrup into a dressing versus just adding a bunch of sugar or uh, what's the, there's a GMO sugar from beets that they use. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so what happens is that our taste, think of it as your taste buds, becoming corrupted, like a corrupted Mm -hmm. file on your computer, where all they want is sweet, and you lose the ability to enjoy food that is not overly sweetened. And Mm -hmm. the challenge with sugar, with excess sugar, of course, is that it's aging because it drives AGEs in your body. It Mm -hmm. drives these blood sugar spikes and drops, which makes you feel Cranky and tired, and like you got to eat, and then you're gonna die, and then you got to eat, and then you're gonna die, (laughs) and then you
1: gain weight, and you're inflamed, and exactly, and you can't metabolic disorder, Mm -hmm.
0: and you lose your metabolic flexibility, so you lose your ability for your body to flip between sugar burning and fat burning. When you don't have sugar on board, you should be able to flip into accessing your stored fat. For fuel. And we lose that ability because we lose what's called our metabolic flexibility. So there's a laundry list of reasons why we want to take steps to reduce our excess sugar intake.
1: So how about sugar alternatives like stevia and monk fruit? Is that something that we should be using instead of sugar? Is that actually a healthier option for us? So yes and no. Right. So I love that you use the word
0: "sugar" option, optional sugars, because stevia and monk fruit are not artificial. So it's not like mm-hmm. um, saccharin or what's the other one? starts aspartame. Um, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So those, I would say, are damaging to the gut. They've got all kinds of problems. So we definitely mm-hmm. want to stay away from those artificial ones. But when it comes to monk fruit and stevia, they are better in some ways than sugar, but they're also not better in some ways than Mm -hmm. sugar. Number one, they're a little bit better because they shouldn't spike your blood sugar, in theory. The problem is that sometimes the food, the other ingredients they're combined with will spike your blood sugar. And a perfect Mm. food example of this, and I'm sorry you guys for picking on you, but because it was (laughs) such a disappointment in my life, I am going to, Smart Sweets um, Gummies are, you know, their whole mandate is this is a healthier candy for you. There's only three Mm -hmm. grams of sugar in a whole bag. You can eat the whole bag. It's safe because there's no sugar. We use only natural sugar sweeteners. So the bad news is I'm a, I'm a gummy virtual addict if, if I let myself. And when I found these candies, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going like, this is it. This is my, my solution. I can just eat these, Mm -hmm. which was great until the day. Well, Two things. One is I would eat a bag and I would notice that I felt pretty crappy afterwards. And I, that didn't mm-hmm. make sense to me. I'm like, well, I shouldn't feel mm-hmm. horrible, kind of nauseous and, and unwell mm-hmm. if these are really good for me. So the next step I took, which is one of our pro tips we'll talk at the end, is mm-hmm. I happened to get my hands on a continuous glucose monitor. So I put a continuous glucose monitor and to my fur, I noticed that eating my smart sweets was going to spike my blood sugar. Mm -hmm. Even though they're sweetened with things like stevia or monk fruit. And so it turns out that there were other ingredients in there that were spiking my blood sugar. So at the end of the day, if the food spikes your blood sugar, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what's Mm -hmm. doing it. And it doesn't matter if it's monk fruit or stevia. The other thing about monk fruit and stevia and natural sweeteners, and this even goes for honey and maple syrup, like raw honey, maple syrup. You have to know yourself. And if Mm -hmm. you know that by eating sweet things, it just makes you crave more sweet things. If it gives a signal to your brain, there's sugar on board, this should mean a lot of calories. And so it leaves you craving more, Mm -hmm. then probably it's not the right answer for you. And Mm -hmm. one of, yeah, go ahead.
1: And one thing for me, I noticed that once I cut out the uh sugar alternatives, I wasn't bloated anymore. So I was putting Stevia in my coffee, in my uh, protein smoothies, or I was having like the green powders, like that has monk fruit or Stevia in it. Um, And I realized that when I'm using that, I'm like so bloated instantly. And I wasn't making the connection for a while until I was in France. I didn't have Stevia. They weren't using it there. I forgot to bring some, and then I just wasn't bloated at all and i was like okay well i guess this is what we do now
0: (laughs) (laughs) well and so noticing other digestive symptoms is a big deal like it's not going to bloat everybody but it definitely bloated you right Mm -hmm. and so i think that understanding how these things affect you both from a physical perspective like bloating Mm -hmm. headache you know tiredness whatever the case may be and from a craving perspective is really Mm -hmm. important and so what I invite my clients to do is what if we cut out any artificial or added sugar or sweetener for 30 days? Mm-hmm. And so we are going to be, I'm, I'm not a proponent of being draconian for long periods of time, but at, what if for a 30 day period, we were draconian and all we ate were natural vegetables, meats, natural fats, maybe some berries at the most, right? Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening, and people can find this really hard because Mm -hmm. they find that they don't enjoy the taste of food as much because your taste buds are, think of your taste buds as being calibrated to a very high, a much higher level of sweet. Mm -hmm. But what this ends up doing over 30 days is it recalibrates your taste buds. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, when you eat an apple or some berries or even a carrot, it tastes Mm -hmm. much sweeter to you. Mm -hmm. And to your point, like you were telling me earlier when you went to France and you learned to drink your coffee without stevia and just with some milk, you realized, wow, like this is sweet enough for me. And when you tried to go back to adding stevia, it was almost too sweet.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've done it before where I just cut out sugar and obviously at first you have some cravings you have to get through, but then you get to a point where then you eat your dinner and then you don't crave something sweet after, you know, it's like, you just don't have the cravings anymore. Or if you have like this whole plate of like, you know, through the holidays, you have all these sweets and cookies and everything in front of you. Like you can eat one or two and just feel like, okay, yeah, that's great. You don't feel the need to like overindulge on it through the holidays. I feel like.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's very true. And it will depend on the person. So Mm. this moves into the work of someone I really, I read this book that was really interesting. Um, I can't remember the name of the book, but the author's name is Gretchen Rubin. And mm, she, mm-hmm. in this book, she talked about, are you an abstainer or a moderator? And mm. abstainers are people that, if they can't have one piece of chocolate or one cookie, mm. because the minute they have that one, that that gateway drug, if you will, they can't mm-hmm. stop anymore. They just have to eat the whole box or the whole bag or the whole package. Versus, um, so for them, they need to just not eat those sweets. If they want to stay away Mm -hmm. from them, don't have them in the house and just don't eat them. And then you don't crave them. Mm -hmm. The moderator is a different type of person. The moderator, if you tell the moderator, you can't have chocolate or you can't have fruit or whatever, pick your poison. They obsess about it incessantly. Mm -hmm. If they have one little bite or one little piece, if they have one square of chocolate, they're happy. That's Mm -hmm. all they need, right? So, And you could be an abstainer or a moderator about different, you could be an abstainer for one Mm -hmm. food and a moderator for a different food, right? Mm -hmm. So this all comes down to knowing yourself Mm -hmm. and understanding how you respond to different types of foods. And when it comes to sweets, people know. Like, you know what, you guys, if you sit and think about it for a minute, you know, you know what camp you're in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, I used to be someone who couldn't just have one bite and had to eat it all. And once I cut sugar out of my diet and kind of reset, now I'm the type of person that can just have one bite and feel satisfied. So I think you can train yourself. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, hundred percent. It also may have to do with your gut microbiome, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We know definitely. that. Yeah. Like our microbiome can itself drive cravings. And there's a possibility that when you did your work, you were able to rebalance your microbiome. Mm-hmm. You have a better balance of gut bugs. And so mm-hmm. guys that are driving the sugar cravings are not as prevalent
1: as maybe yeah. they were. Yeah. I think that's 100% what it was. Okay, great. So basically, our strategy for what to do instead for sugar is just more so test out going without sugar. Yeah. Would you say? Well, consider mm-hmm. going
0: without it for a short for a period of time. Yeah, see, and mm-hmm. see how you do. Right, um, mm-hmm. and then and then on the other side, once you've done that reboot, once you've recalibrated your taste buds, let's not demonize sugar right? Mm -hmm. As long as you're able to be moderate about it. If Mm -hmm. understand that if you're the type of person that all of a sudden the minute, like it's a slippery slope,
1: Mm -hmm. right? And
0: so you start to bring sugar back and next thing you know, it's a lot or medium and then it's, you know, like you can't control it. Then you understand that about yourself. But for other Mm -hmm. people and for most of us, we should be able once in a while to indulge in a sweet or whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be and then have that not throw us completely mm-hmm. off the rails um yeah. so that we don't demonize we don't become super rigid we don't we don't develop that thing called orthorexia where you're obsessed mm-hmm. with only eating certain foods um we want to build that flexibility and that and that resilience in our systems that 80% of the time we do what we know we need to do and that allows us 20% of the time to mm-hmm. be more flexible Some people need it to be a 90-10 rule. It just depends on your circumstances and your health.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. So let's move on to number three, which the third thing we want to eliminate or reduce in 2024 is dairy, but it's a little bit of a gray area. So let's talk about should everyone eliminate, eliminate dairy or what does that actually look like?
0: Okay, so this is where my favorite word comes into play, and it's nuance, because which is another way of saying it depends. All right. Mm-hmm. So number one, quality of dairy overrides everything else. If you're mm-hmm. going to consume any dairy, make sure that it's good quality dairy. It's you know, if possible, you're using raw milk product if you can get access to them. That um, mm-hmm. like you know, in in Toronto where in Canada where I live. Um, we have access to whole milk that is unpasteurized. I mean un- mm-hmm. non-homogenized. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, just non non-homog- so not homogenizing milk means they make it that it stays um that the fat stays in the milk. Like you don't get that plug of fat at the top of the bottle. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, when we homogenize milk and force and I don't actually fully remember what the process is for for homogenization, but basically when they homogenize milk, your body doesn't recognize the food Mm -hmm. as a whole food and it has Mm -hmm. a negative effect on your body. So if you're going to drink whole milk, if at all possible, try to make sure that it's from grass-fed cows and those Mm -hmm. those products are becoming much more widely available now. Yeah,
1: yeah. And if at all
0: possible, try to get non-homogenized. And if you're in a place where you can find raw, that's even better. Hey guys, did you know that 25% of people have low amounts of something called acromancia in their gut? And then 18% have no detectable acromancia in their gut at all. Why is this important? Well, it turns out that acromantia musiniphila is one of the most incredibly beneficial gut bacteria linked to everything from healthy weight to GLP-1 production to balanced blood sugar and a stronger gut lining this powerful strain makes up 1% to 5% of the total bacteria in a healthy gut. Thus, why I bring such a great importance to keeping this gut bacteria alive and present. Now, unfortunately, there are no foods that contain acromantia, so we can't eat our way to higher levels. And supplementing it is difficult due to it being an anaerobic organism, which means it can only survive in an environment that it's 100% oxygen-free. Now, that is until I discovered Pendulum, and yeah, that's right. Yours truly recently tested low for Acromantia. Pendulum hired specialized microbiologists to create an oxygen-free manufacturing process from scratch. So because of this, Pendulum is the only company that sells live Acromantia in the US and the only supplier I fully trust. Now try it yourself. You can go head over to pendulumlife.com forward slash NAT. Once again, pendulumlife.com forward slash net. Now let's get back to the
1: episode. Dr. Mark Hyman, he says that 75% of people are lactose intolerant without realizing it. I don't know the truth in that, but it is interesting. Um, But for me, yeah, I couldn't eat dairy for the longest time. And then I started to reintroduce it and now I can eat it, but only when it's, I notice a difference between if I'm eating raw cheese at home that's a great snack. It makes me feel good. But like I told you earlier, I went out for pizza last night and obviously that's low quality dairy this morning. I don't feel good. So I think also that's a nuanced part of it of like, but yeah, cutting out dairy, it helped me reset my gut. So then I can then handle it. So it doesn't have to be like before I thought it was like a lifelong thing. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, now I have to live my whole life without eating dairy. But now I realize like, Oh no, I just needed to reset and then be pickier about what type of dairy.
0: A hundred percent. I also, a lot of people who listen to my podcast will have heard me talk about this before. And that is I did a gut reset with Joel green. I could not eat. I couldn't consume whey protein before I did that. I couldn't, there's a number of foods I couldn't consume, but whey protein was one of them. And Mm -hmm. Ever since I did that gut reset, I'm able to have whey protein shakes. So, Mm -hmm. addressing the gut microbiome may have a huge impact on your ability to tolerate dairy along with other types of foods, but Mm -hmm. definitely to understand how your body responds to dairy. When it, you know, first look at your quality of dairy, but really do that experiment, cut it out for a period of time to see how you feel without it. And then reintroduce your dairy foods one at a time.
1: So some people
0: can eat yogurt, but can't Mm -hmm. drink milk. Some people Mm -hmm. can have certain types of cheese, but can't drink milk. Like it just, it really depends on the person.
1: So, Mm -hmm. and even some people can eat hard cheese, but not soft cheese. Exactly. It's so nuanced like that, but yeah, just listening, eating it, figuring out how you feel and just taking note for next time. Yeah. hundred percent. So, With that, if someone were to eat dairy, what would you say if they go to the store the next time, what should they look for? There's so many different types of marketing on all these packages and it's confusing. So if I'm like, let's say I'm someone that I want to eat cheese or milk or yogurt, what do I need to look for?
0: So when it comes to yogurt, this is one of the worst categories. Stay away from flavored yogurts for the most part. Read the ingredients because a lot of these flavored yogurts are really ice cream sundays masquerading as yogurt. <laughs> like, <I> mean, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're brutal, right? There's so much sugar included added to them. Um, so when it comes to yogurt, look for, um, if at all possible, organic from grass-fed cows. Um, If you can find raw, great. If you can't, that's okay. Look for yogurt and and have plain yogurt. And then because you've already done your sugar reboot that we talked about Mm -hmm. earlier, you can now add maybe some berries to it and be quite happy with your plain Mm -hmm. yogurt that's not been sweetened. Um, Mm -hmm. Or maybe have half a teaspoon of raw honey. If you can Mm -hmm. tolerate that, like, I mean, how much sugar you're going to be able to uh, just to go back to sugar for a minute, how much sugar you're going to be able to tolerate is also going to have a lot to do with your activity levels. If you're very Mm -hmm. sedentary, like you're an athlete, Chelsea, you expend a ton of energy when you're out there, you know, mountain biking and snowboarding and skiing. You're going to be able to your body in some ways can use that extra energy Mm -hmm. for those of us who are sitting at a desk, maybe more. Like multiple hours and aren't expending that kind of energy, it's too much of a good thing. It's just extra energy we don't we can't get rid of. So to go back to the types of dairy, when it comes to yogurt, definitely make sure there's no sugar in there, and mm-hmm. make sure the quality of the, the starting quality of the materials is good. Same mm-hmm. for um, things like cheese. If you can have mm-hmm. fine raw milk cheeses, organic cheese. Um, those are going to be the best.
1: Yeah. One thing about yogurt though, is that it does have natural occurring sugar in it. So if someone is looking at plain yogurt and sees that there is sugar, you're, you're never going to find yogurt with zero or any dairy really. So hundred
0: percent. And that's where your CGM comes in handy. Mm -hmm. How does your body respond to yogurt? Mm -hmm. How does your body respond to even whole milk? Like Mm -hmm. how does your body respond to these foods? And if it's causing your blood sugar to spike, guess what? It's probably Mm -hmm. not your friend.
1: Yeah. Okay, great. So let's move on to number four. And (laughs) the fourth thing that we should focus on uh, reducing or avoiding in 2024 should be commercial wheat. So can you dive into that for us?
0: Yeah, so I mean look, wheat has been is problematic in a million different ways. There's no doubt that in industrialized world and frankly almost everywhere now, we've bastardized wheat. Wheat is no longer mm-hmm. the food that it was originally. Um and so the gluten in wheat is going to be damaging to your gut lining and I'm going to say that that is true for any wheat, whether it's mm-hmm. non-GMO, organic, sourdough, the whole nine you know whether you turn it into sourdough The sourdough pro the process of fermenting the wheat is helpful Mm -hmm. certainly but for a lot of people wheat is going to be for most of us we don't want to over consume wheat wheat's another one of those foods that gets woven into so many processed foods even foods Mm -hmm. you don't think have wheat in them have wheat in them so This goes back to what we talked about originally, which is if by just by eliminating things out of boxes and bags that are processed, we're going to naturally cut out a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Wheat also, you're going to notice bread is going to spike your blood sugar. Like it's definitely going to drive blood sugar up. And I find like, I'll tell you this, like I love good bread, but if I eat bread, I get this funny taste in my mouth. Like I've had a lot of sugar. And, and Mm -hmm. it's because my body's converting it into sugar, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can avoid wheat, I think we're always better off for it. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, eliminating wheat for a period of time to see how you feel. Are you less bloated? Do you feel less inflamed? Do you have better energy? You might drop a few pounds, like if you need to, like who knows, Mm -hmm. is a really great experiment to run for yourself. And then the next thing about wheat is we it's another one of these foods because it's a little bit addictive. We tend to once we start to bring it into our world, it 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 starts to become mm-hmm. to dominate your diet because it's easy mm-hmm. to have a sandwich. It's easy to have a bowl of pasta. It's easy to have mm-hmm. toast in the morning. And it takes the place of much more nutrient dense food, like protein, mhm right? And then to add insult to injury, we're going to have our wheat with fat, we're going to have cheese or with butter, and then with sugar, like jam or honey, or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And now we've committed the cardinal sin of nutrition, where we've now combined fat with sugar. And Mm -hmm. that tends to grow people, and not generally in the direction they want to grow
1: in. (laughs) Yeah, you know, something though, that I saw the other day that I thought was super interesting. You know, the glucose goddess on Instagram. Well, she compared eating a bowl of lentil pasta with eating a bowl of lentils and the lentil pasta drastically spiked blood sugar. Um, So the fact of just processing it gave (laughs) her the same blood sugar spike as just regular wheat pasta, which I thought was super interesting.
0: For sure. The other thing you have to think about is what else is in that lentil pasta. So very often Mm -hmm. the lentil pasta has lentils, but it also has rice flour or some other kind of flour. Mm -hmm. So this, this goes back to our smart sweet problem, right? Is what else Mm -hmm. is in there? Um, Mm -hmm. There was a company, and I think they're still around in Toronto that used to make this black bean pasta, Mm -hmm. but it was only black bean and it was fermented Mm -hmm. black beans in that. And that stuff Steady, Eddy blood sugar, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. But there are very few of these so-called healthier pastas. This goes back to like your health food yeah. stuff problem. There mm-hmm. are very few of these these kind of healthier versions that are truly healthy. And to your point, you're now pro, you're processing these foods. You're better off mm-hmm. eating lentils or black beans, naturally, you know, soaked, yeah. and sprouted, and properly prepared. That should help you to keep a, maintain much steadier blood sugar.
1: Yeah. And so that kind of leads me to my next question. A lot of people, so when we're like, okay, we're going to reduce wheat, then they go to the store and they just find things that are gluten-free and mm-hmm. automatically think that they're healthier. But when in reality, they're they contain ingredients that are going to cause the same issues as wheat. So maybe you want to dive into that a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that this, this brings us to the whole question of grains, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that my biggest issue with, with a lot of these foods is the displacement of healthier, more nutrient dense foods, Mm -hmm. right? So if we were to prioritize whole proteins, vegetables, and healthy fats, there really shouldn't be much room or need for a lot of these grains, Right, mm-hmm. whether it's millet or um, quinoa or rice, like all of these different foods. So, I think that if if you're going to eat those types of foods, if you really feel that you want them and need them, number mm-hmm. one, look at your lifestyle. Can you afford the excess energy and burn it off? And number mm-hmm. two, can you make it the last thing that you add to your plate? Mm-hmm. So that That's you smart. eat yeah. all those other foods first. And then if you still have room, which you shouldn't, right? (laughs) if you still have room and you really want a little bit of that food, then then go for it. And number the last thing is going back to our pro tip that we were going to add at the end of the podcast, which I'll just keep adding now because, you know, we're going to run out of time pretty soon. And that is do that CGM experiment Wear that continuous glucose monitor for a month and have the gluten-free bread or whatever the case is, and notice how does it affect your blood sugar. But the Mm -hmm. most important thing is, is it displacing foods that you need for foods you really don't need that are just energy without a whole lot of nutrition? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So if we were to sum this up, we're going to reduce our wheat intake and we're going to instead fill our plate with,
0: Vegetables, protein, well, actually protein first, vegetables, primarily those that grow above ground, but even those that grow below ground because they can be more grounding. And especially for those of us who live in colder climates, like we might need some sweet potatoes, some potato, that kind of stuff, squashes, Mm -hmm. like the butternut squashes, that kind of stuff in the winter time. Um, And then your healthy fats, right? So Mm -hmm. prioritize those. And I would definitely encourage people to eliminate wheat for 30 days and see how you feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: great. Well, this brings us to our last and fifth thing to eliminate in 2024 is alcohol. So
0: yeah. <laughs> don't, run, don't run away, guys. There's, we there's- saved
1: it for last, so you'd continue <laughs> listening. <laughs> yeah,
0: best for last. So if you're still with us, look, nirvana is to cut out alcohol, there's no RDI recommended daily intake for alcohol. There's no need for alcohol in our diet. It is a purely pleasure-based, hedonistic type of food. And we could even call it a food. I don't even know if we can call it a food. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, alcohol is something that gives increases the workload on your liver. And your liver mm-hmm. has a lot to deal with already. It's dealing with toxins that you're exposed to in the environment, toxins you're exposed to in your foods, things that you can't avoid. So even just from that basis, eliminating alcohol would be a benefit.
1: I don't know if this is true, so you can debunk this or not, but is it true that when you drink alcohol, then your body focuses on that first before other things? Mm, and that's an can, interesting, it's possible. Maybe we can that, cut that out, but. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't actually know that. All I know is that I don't know that your body has a hierarchy of toxins necessarily. It's going to deal, maybe it deals with most toxic things first, but I don't know that I could say that alcohol is more toxic than a xenoestrogen, for example, right? Mm -hmm. All I can say is that alcohol has to be processed and detoxified by the liver. And so Mm -hmm. it just increases the work on your system Mm -hmm. it's no good for your brain especially if you're one of these people that's an apoe if you carry one or two four alleles on your apoe gene then your alcohol is is going to be a massive problem for your system so Mm -hmm. eliminating alcohol is the penultimate strategy if you will but Mm -hmm. definitely for some people if i'm not going to tell you that having one or two drink one or two glasses of red wine a week is gonna mm-hmm. kill you. And if it brings you true joy and that's all you need to feel good, mm-hmm. then buy the best quality wine that you can afford. Try to go with the sulfite-free, the dry things like dry farm wines, organic wines. Mm-hmm. Generally, they're imported from Europe, and you're gonna get you're gonna just have the best, you'll you'll have the the pleasure with the least amount of damage. Having said mm-hmm. that if your goal is really to be uber healthy and to and you can see it that you could eliminate wine then at the very least do that 30 day experiment cut mm-hmm. wine out wine and alcohol out for 30 days and see how you feel mm-hmm. and for some people they feel so much better that they just don't mm-hmm. want to go back to it and now all we have to deal with is societal pressure right mm-hmm. There's huge pressure in society to enjoy wine with a meal or with friends because we see it or we it's mm-hmm. not even we see it. We've created this story that to relax and unwind and to be sociable, we need wine. Mm-hmm. There's actually other things you could use. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's funny though, because it is becoming trendy to not drink alcohol. Yeah. Um, and even outside of the biohacking world, its it's trendy. Even my brother who... I mean, he's a, he, overall healthy, but he's not educated in biohacking whatsoever, and he's stopped drinking alcohol because um, yeah. he just realized it. He feels so much better than when he does have one beer. He appreciates it a lot more and doesn't need to have them four or whatever. Yeah, um, and then a lot of celebrities now are even coming out with. Um, you know, alcohol-free drinks and starting companies like that, which is super interesting and I think great for the movement of reducing alcohol. But maybe now you want to dive into some of your favorite alternatives for alcohol that can also kind of give you that same unwinding, relaxing effect.
0: Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So my favorites here are there's a company called Cava. And they've got these these kava-based drinks. So kava is a root. It, it's from Southeast Asia, I believe. And there are kava <laughs> bars in certain countries where they have all different types of kava because kava has this relaxing kind of effect on the nervous system. So they market drinks that are kava-based. Um, it's a bit of an, you know, it, it can be a bit of an acquired taste, but definitely these are drinks that you can sip on, you pour it into a you know, a cocktail glass or a wine glass, Mm -hmm. and you can enjoy it. And it has that same sort of effect on your system. Another category that can be helpful is there's a company called Ketone Aid, um, Mm -hmm. and they make these exogenous ketone based cocktails. So he's got like a gin and tonic one. And Actually, I think you might have a Mojito one now. There's a, there's a couple of different flavors that they have, and these have exogenous ketones in them. So they have the benefit of being great for someone on a keto diet or who's just trying to avoid sugar. You don't have to be on mm-hmm. a keto diet to enjoy this. Plus, mm-hmm. they do give you a little bit of that kind of relaxing, I don't want to call it a buzz necessarily, but mm-hmm. kind of like a more sociable effect, if you will. Yeah. Um, and then you had mentioned earlier, also, there's a lot of these kombuchas around now that are also, Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily going to be relaxing to the nervous system, but again, it gives you something to sip on. The only thing I'll say about kombucha is be careful of the sugar content because some Mm -hmm. kombuchas, if they haven't been fermented long enough or well, Mm -hmm. or properly are going to be very high in sugar. Mm -hmm. So read your labels there as
1: well. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think I find when I go out to a brewery or something with friends, it's an easy option where it's like the lesser of the two evils, I think. Even if it is higher in sugar. Yeah, no, 100%. And something that I've also realized is that sometimes after dinner, I just want something to sip on. And is it necessarily wine that I want? And if I make a cup of tea, that kind of gives me the same it fills that void. And I realize it's just something I want to sit, relax and sip on. And I don't really need the wine to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's where kava can also be very helpful because kava is very relaxing. And mm-hmm. so it can be quite good for sleep versus alcohol, which is quite crappy for your sleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah.
1: But I think another thing that has helped a lot of people stop drinking as much is they look at their HRV and it's very clear when they look at their HRV that it's affecting their sleep, affecting their energy levels. And when they can see the number, I think it makes it more clear the effect that it's having.
0: A hundred percent. And you know what, any of the things we've talked about today can affect your HRV, which is your heart rate variability, which is a measure of your recovery. And it's a measure of the balance between your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. And eating wheat if it doesn't if it doesn't agree for you eating excess sugar eating oils and fats that are inflammatory like all of these things are going to have a negative effect on your heart on your recovery and your nervous mm-hmm. system and your nervous system balance mm-hmm. so hrv is a great metric if you're one of these people that's wearing a tracker
1: so to kind of wrap everything up we have a couple bonus tips that we want to share mm-hmm. one We've already, Natalie has already um, mentioned a lot, but it's tracking your blood sugar levels. I think what we've discovered is that's one of the easiest ways to see how food is affecting you, right?
0: A hundred percent. So, And because even foods that you don't think have sugar might might spike your blood sugar. So for sure, wearing a continuous glucose monitor is the easiest way to do that. There's a number of companies out there now that are able to give you access to these. Um, One Mm -hmm. that I really like is called Levels but there's others. And then definitely so that CGM is, will give you great clarity and insight, but the Mm -hmm. other one that you don't need to spend a dime on other than a pen and a piece of paper, and that's keeping a food diary. So Mm -hmm. what you do for a week or two weeks is, and you can use an app, right? So there's apps like chronometer. There's a whole bunch of apps. There's so many apps out there right now, but basically what you're doing is you're tracking everything that passes your lips in a day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, mm-hmm. and you're tr- also writing down how you feel. So energy mm-hmm. levels, mood, um, digestive symptoms. And this means bloating, pain, gas, feeling amazing, uh, or feeling pain, tired, feeling tired. How are you sleeping? How do you feel when you wake up in the morning? So all of these things, tracking all these things, whether it's for a week, two weeks, or if you have the Fortitude to do it, do it for a month. But
1: Mm -hmm. it is
0: amazing what you will learn on the other side of this. And
1: I, because you can then start to see the pattern, right? Exactly. You see patterns.
0: You also start to realize how much extra food you might be eating that you don't realize, (laughs) or how much sugar. Like if you're the benefit of using the apps is they will break it down for you. They'll tell you how much sugar, how much fat, how much carb, how much protein, and what I find a lot of my clients recognize is they're not eating nearly enough protein. They're getting way too many carbs. There's too much omega-6. There's not enough omega-3. Like it's, it's crazy mm-hmm. the amount of information you can get just from tracking your food and drink for mm-hmm. a short
1: period of time. And even if you eat a meal and you still feel hungry after, that's also a good indicator
0: or you're hungry an hour later
1: or an hour later. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then our last uh, bonus tip that we actually haven't even touched on at all in this episode is to deal with your emotions.
0: Yes. So this was a big one. And Chelsea and I were chatting before recording the episode and both of us were like, yes, that is so big. <laughs> and this is where, you know, we think that we forget that our mm-hmm. emotional state has so much to do with our cravings and our what we think are our needs and habits. So whether it's stress, sadness, anxiety, depression, these are all things that are going to affect your your intake of food and and mm-hmm. vice versa, and your food mm-hmm. could also affect them back. So getting a handle on thinking about when you're when you're eating something or when you feel that you have to have something, mm-hmm. diving into why do I need this? Am I feeling sad? Am I feeling angry? Am I feeling stressed? And then accessing resources that can help us to deal mm-hmm. with those mm-hmm. feelings so that we're not eating our feelings, which is a big expression. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I think is a big one. And then of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention sleep, because if mm-hmm. you're sleep deprived not only is that going to affect your cravings, it's also going to affect your ability to balance your emotions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we, we wanted to keep this episode simple and the problem, the challenge with that is we are complex, right? Mm -hmm. And everything that we do is going to lead back into like all those inputs are going to affect our outputs. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm we can't separate really the sleep, the emotions, the food, and the cravings, all of those things, they're all very intertwined. But Mm -hmm. if you start by those five things that we talked about, Mm -hmm. and you're aware that these other things can also affect them, then you can start to really get some insight and some clarity around what is it that you need to work on. It's a little bit like what you talked about before, Chelsea. And that is, do you need to see a nutritionist or do you need to get someone to help you emotionally regulate yourself? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, for someone who has an eating disorder, for example, they need to learn to emotionally regulate before they go to the nutritionist because a nutritionist Mm -hmm. might just feed the problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just comforting to know that it's not your willpower or you need to be Mm -hmm. stronger to be able to do this. It's like, Instead of being like, oh, I just need more willpower in 2024. It's more like, no, address the root cause. And once you address the root cause, you realize you don't, you have enough willpower. You don't need more.
0: Yeah. And, and that's such a good, that's such a strong point. And I think that people can be very hard on themselves and be very Mm -hmm. judgmental. And there's a lot of negative self-talk and beating yourself up because you didn't stick to your plan. You know, have some kindness and grace for yourself mm-hmm. and and be willing to ask the questions and then reach out for help to the right person mm-hmm. to give you the help that you need. And don't just beat yourself up, right? Mm-hmm. Do be aware that, as Chelsea said, it's not always, like for some people, it might be willpower, but for mm-hmm. so many people, there's so much more running under the surface here. So doing these things and trying to, working on improving your diet can give you a lot of, can really move you into a space where you're dealing with other, maybe bigger issues in your life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps up our episode. (laughs) I think so
0: too. (laughs) Chelsea, it's been amazing having you here today. I'm really looking forward to our series this year. I think this is awesome. (laughs) So, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say.
1: No, I think maybe if you just want to quickly recap the five things that we went through.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, and this is going to be like the four second recap. So, we talked about, Mm -hmm. we talked about what was the first thing we talked about? Oh, yeah. Processed seed oils and vegetable oils, processed oils, which leads to processed foods we talked about sugar, we talked Mm -hmm. about wheat, we talked about dairy, and then we talked about alcohol. And then at the Mm -hmm. end, we gave a few extra pro tips. We talked about the CGMs, the food diary, the emotions, the sleep, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, net net guys, we're not, I I definitely am not advocating that you do all of these things starting tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Pick one, either based on what you know to be your nemesis, you know, is sugar your thing, is processed foods your thing, like what is the thing that you feel is holding you back the most? Pick that one thing, work on that one thing, and then maybe move on to the next one. The, the biggest mistake we all see, we all make, and I see people making, is trying to do it all, especially this time of year. I'm going to do everything perfectly, and within a week, we've mm-hmm. be- dove into a bag of whatever it is because we have just thrown in the towel. So be kind to yourself, pick one thing, stick to that one thing for at least a week. If you can do a week, you can do two. If you can do two, do a third. If you can do that, you can do a month, see how you feel. And then think about, do I need to stick with this? Do I need to try the next thing? Whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And I think that's about it. I think, yeah. I mean, look, we can keep talking for a really long time. So (laughs) I think what I'm going to do is invite people to connect with me on Instagram at Natalie Knidham. You can find me there. If you want to really kind of hang out with me and do a bunch of, you know, chat and do live Q&As and stuff, my Mighty Networks community is the best place to connect with me because I do live Q&As in there. We invite experts. I'll be running programs out of Mighty Networks. So to get information about that, just go to natnidham.com, and there's a tab at the top that is BSP Community, and you can find out information about how to join. This will air January 12th. The price for BSP Community, that Mighty Networks community, will be increasing Feb 1. So if you join now, you get grandfathered in at the current rate, and your rate will never go up for as long as you're a member. So... I think that's about it, Miss Chelsea. I don't think we, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's anything else we need to say today. Thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you, listeners. If you're still here, hopefully you are, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Hey guys, before we wrap up today's episode, I want to thank everyone who has left a five star rating and a review for the podcast. If you haven't yet left a rating and review, and you love this episode, I would so appreciate it if you did. Each and every one truly helps the overall growth and success of the podcast, which allows me to continue to bring you more episodes and helps me to help more people to optimize their health and longevity. All you have to do if you're on Apple or on Spotify is open up Apple Podcasts or Spotify and take two seconds to click your rating and leave even just a one word review. Thank you so much for your continued support and for tuning into today's episode. If you have any questions about the episode or any questions you would like me to answer on the podcast, always feel free to reach out on Instagram at Natalie Nidham. I wish you all the best this week in biohacking your superhuman performance. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes, because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the biohacking superhuman performance community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application, just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.